Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cheltenham and Mount Parker for all your class-leading Kia vehicles and servicing. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! Two minutes past eight on SENSA Breakfast. Been a massive show today. Uh, very soon we are going to head into our Bricky Brownlow thanks to Con and Lena at the Brighton Trophy Centre. I'm going to go see them tomorrow, Mark Bickley, so... Say good day to him for you. Yeah, good on you. Thank you for doing that. Just a couple of text <laughs> messages. Uh, we've been asking all morning who's going to win and who's going to uh, win the Norm Smith medal in tomorrow's big game. Oh, sorry, Saturday's big game. Uh, Justin says Brisbane by 19 points. Hugh McCluggage for the Norm Smith medal. Uh, and this one is Brisbane by 11 points. Cam Rayner to win the Norm Smith medal. Keep those text messages coming in. The number, of course, is 0427 154 Bix, as we are only a couple of sleeps until the 2023 AFL Grand Final, we've had a brilliant week speaking to some past players who not only are premiership players themselves, but also have family members playing in them. Yesterday, it was Luke Ball and Adrian Fletcher. Today, we are lucky enough to be speaking to a man not only who held up the premiership cup for Collingwood in 2010, but I believe single-handedly put an end to drawn grand finals happening the following <laughs> week due to his post-game interview saying, this is an absolute joke. We say good morning to Nick Maxwell. Uh, thanks for joining us, Nick. What a great time for the Collingwood Football Club. Uh, thanks for having me, boys. And yeah, still uh, it's a bit cringeworthy when you look back at that, but uh, I guess you got the full emotion of a 30-second post-game and uh, yeah, obviously feeling like I let everyone down, but at the same time, um, obviously things worked out all right for us in the end. And you know what? I was right. They changed it. No, absolutely. <laughs> and we think it's a really good thing because uh, there, there's been discussion, Nick, even over the, the past couple of weeks about um, some of the, the broadcasters letting the players actually have those emotional moments before running up for a post-game interview because it is such an emotional time, whether there's a win or a loss or a draw in a grand final. Um, the Pies are in another one. What sort of emotions does it bring back for you? Oh, well, obviously, everyone wants to talk to me again, which is a good start. <laughs> um, Top of the list, mate. <laughs> yeah, correct. But um, oh, look, I think that uh, for me, I mean, as good as it was and uh, as amazing experience it was to be able to share with your teammates and, and all the staff, I think they get left behind a bit, the staff and all the, all the coaches and the analysts and the medical and everyone who's involved in it. They do so much work behind the scenes to give the players the, the best chance to succeed that um, it's great to be able to remember what they did as well. So we're lucky enough where we, we organise a catch-up every year. So once a year, uh, no matter if a lot of guys you don't see for the whole year, others you see often. So it's good to get together and, and have those catch-ups. And um, I think probably the other thing for mine was I was lucky enough probably a month after um, we, we won it was to to a country of Victoria with a cup and go to all the, all the little towns and to experience what it meant to people there and to have... 80 and 90 year old men bawling their eyes out saying, I'm, I can die happy now. I saw another one. Um, those type of things just, you don't expect that. You just go out and play football and you don't really think about, um, I guess, the, the flow and effect it has. So to see how happy it makes all the fans and how everyone's buzzing, that sort of brings back a lot of great memories. Yeah, look, that is such a, a poignant point because we did something similar. We jumped in a little eight seater plane and flew all around 
you know, South Australia to Sejuna to everywhere, all these little places. And, and you're right, taking it out to people who, you know, never thought they'd get the opportunity to touch it or lift it or have their photo taken with it. It was just a, a pretty pretty special moment. I'm interested as well, like, we're not just going back and looking, you know, the, the premiership is often the culmination of a lot of hard work. So, you know, you played in finals in 06, then in 07, you won a couple of finals and got to the prelim, then it was the semi in 08, then it was 09, it was heartbreak again, you get to the prelim and, and lose that. So it's often the culmination of four, five, six years of work to actually get you to that moment to be able to enjoy that success. Yeah, you're spot on, mate. And it's also, I think, that the disappointment of missing out. And um, I, I made sure that I watched those grand finals uh, every time because um, I wanted to actually see, uh, I guess, build up the emotion in how jealous I was and how much it meant to the people there and how much I wanted to be in, in their shoes. So it's certainly something that drove me, uh, a couple of those prelim final losses and, and also gave you the experience. And Probably the biggest heartbreak. Uh, obviously, there's there's heartbreak for uh, for a couple of guys. Well, obviously, you want to Collingwood still have to go on and, and win a game of football. But for both teams, as players that have missed out, and, and we've heard about Taylor Adams last night going to miss out, and, um, and and those guys who are missing out, it's it's tough for them. But at the same time, like you said, I feel also for guys like Nathan Buckley and James Clements and Scotty mm. Burns and Mercurio and Rocker and um, and all these guys who who helped guide us through those years and taught us. Um, so much and mentored us. Um, they didn't get to play in 2010, along with uh, a lot of guys who, who missed out, um, like Tay and, and some of his teammates this year, and guys like Presty and O'Brien and Fraser and Lockyer and all these guys that are real heart and soul players. So there's always those heartbreak stories, and uh, and you just got to, I guess, look back and be appreciative of the people that um, helped set us up and give us the best opportunity to be good when we were. Mm. What does what does leadership mean to you? Uh, Nick, you've spent a fair bit of time not just in the AFL system, but but outside of that too, mentoring some NRL players and in the BBL setup. Uh, we kind of feel that leadership now isn't just about the person that um, is the captain of the side. Everyone needs to have leadership qualities. So, what have you noticed about the evolution of leadership? Yeah, it's certainly more of a, um, a team type uh, setup in terms of your team leadership. So. Um, and, and even for me, uh, back going back 13 years now, when, when we won the premiership, was uh, I was just as reliant on all those guys around me. Um, and, and a lot of people will, and, and they'll hate me saying this, but the Rat Pack, they, uh, they've got a reputation to uphold, but at the same time, they led in a lot of different ways for us as well, where they, um, they led on the track with how hard they trained and, and what, they what they expected game day. Um, so there's a lot of different sort of layers to it. And I think that it takes all types because it's not, up to one person because it's too big now these days, just mm. that role is, is just having one figurehead. So um, you even see every time calling the defenders come together, it's usually Nathan Murphy that's doing all the talking. Now, he's not in the leadership group, but you've got Darcy Moore and uh, Jeremy Howe right next to him uh, and Maynard as well, who are in the leadership group, but he tends to be the one that talks in that group. So you need to be able to lean on a lot of different people and probably the biggest experience that I've had um, around particularly at the Melbourne Storm was the emerging leaders coming through, and this is in business or, or anywhere that I've experienced, is that quite often they look at the, the finished product of a leader and they look at, say, a, a Cameron Smith, a Billy Slater, a Cooper Cronk, and they look at that and they think that's unreachable for me mm. as a 23, 24-year-old on a pathway. But you actually have to bring them back and go, well, it's not they're the finished product. You're going to end up getting there, but it looks unreachable. But right now we're just going to focus on these little things at, at, at the next couple of steps 
that'll give you a better understanding and more confidence in what leadership is as you grow and you'll forge your own pathway and eventually you will get to that point. Mm, uh, great points. The, the other part that I'm really interested in is the connection piece. You know, you, it's, it's more pronounced now and people focus a bit more on it, but every great team that you've ever been involved in, <clears throat> you look back and there was always that great connection. And I think that when I look at Collingwood and, the, and their sort of resurgence over the last couple of years since Craig McRae's here, that's really consolidated and it looks like a really connected group. Yeah, no doubt at all. And you can see that uh, he certainly, it's a great strength of his, has been able to see the positives in people and work out um, how to get the best out of them individually and really focus on, on those individual strengths. Um, he doesn't sweat the small stuff. Uh, he, he looks at, if there's a mistake made, he doesn't look at a mistake, he looks at like, what's next and, and move on really quickly. So I think that's been something that's held him in really good stead, particularly in those close games where you're not worried about the mistake you've made. As, as we know, because if you make one mistake and you're focused on that, then your whole attention isn't on making sure the next contest doesn't go your favour. So he's certainly been great with that. And as a whole club, bringing people back together and um, you can see how much bringing families in, mm. uh, bringing past players in. So he does a lot of that stuff as well. So Bo McCreary's mum giving the pre-match this week for the granny? <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I reckon he'll save this one for himself. It might be a little bit more air time. So... <laughs> No matter uh, no matter how good a bloke you are and how much you give to other people, uh, when it comes to grand final day, he's, uh, he's a competitive beast, Craig McRae. So that's probably the one thing that does get overlooked in mm. the good guy stuff and the team stuff. He's someone that cannot stand losing anything. So, uh, And you certainly need that and you want to drive that into your players. And uh, yeah, that's certainly something that they've had, uh, not trying to lose every single contest. You want to win every single contest. And if you don't, you move on because you need to win the next contest. So he's very, uh, he's very competitive. Nick, before we let you go, here in South Australia, we're constantly amazed at the performance and longevity of Travis Boak, and he's rumoured to have agreed to terms with Port Adelaide going into next year. But on Friday night at the MCG, watching Scott Pendlebury again, he's ageless and seems like he could go on forever. Are you blown away by how long he continues to play? Oh, look, to be honest, I'm not. And that's just because he's just so professional in everything he does and the way he goes about it. So... Um, I remember uh, he and Daisy Thomas lived around the corner from me in their first year. They were, um, and I'd send him a text message sort of Tuesday, Wednesday night in the middle of winter, um, going down to the beach for a walk in the water if you're keen. And every single time, Pendles was down there. And then uh, it actually got to a tipping point where I started having kids, and you'd finally put the get the baby down to sleep, and you just sit down on the couch and you want to relax. And I'd get the text message from him, <laughs> see you down at the beach in ten minutes. So. Um, had to had to pull myself off the couch and uh, and get off get the trackers off. So he's just a just a professional the way he goes about it, and um and he's someone who, as you say, he's amazing to watch. And I think at times we don't appreciate him enough. And and Travis Boak's certainly one of those guys. He's uh, someone I've admired for so long the way that he's gone about it. Uh, he's been such a great leader and such a consistent player for so long. So. Uh, I'm absolutely wrapped if, uh, if that's the case that he's going on for another year. Well, Nick, we appreciate so much. And what's going to be a really busy week for you, I'm sure, uh, giving us some of your time and sharing your thoughts. Uh, yeah, all the best for the weekend. Have an enjoyable day. Thanks for having me, Jess. Nick Maxwell joining us, Collingwood Premiership skipper from 2010. Bix, as I said, it's not just the AFL. He's had a huge impact. He spent some time at GWS um, in the NRL and the BBL setup. And we spoke about this yesterday. Um, those finals leading into the grand finals for Collingwood, he was instrumental. And he's not one of those players that was 
going to be in Collingwood's best every week or one of the flashy players or one of the Rat Packers, he suggested, but he was so consistent and did what he needed to do. Well, also he was, to me, watching from afar, he was the guy who sort of maintained the standards. You know, if someone wasn't, you know, an effort wasn't quite there, he was the person who could uh, make sure that was called out and in the right way and, you know, just letting everyone know that's not to the standard that we expect and let's let's lift those standards back up again. And those guys he talked about, you know, Heath Shaw and, and um, you know, the like in defence, they, they had huge demand on each other. I remember at different stages, you know, walking off at half time, they'd be having a really robust sort of discussion. It might even look like an argument and people would say, oh, good, you know, that's, that looks terrible. They're arguing amongst each other. No, they're not. They're trying to sort of sort something mm. out. It's it's high demand. It, there's not a lot of time to be able to discuss these things. So they're trying to get things really clear so they can just get on with it and you know and win the game. And and that's what they were able to do. And Nick Maxwell was a brilliant leader for the the Collingwood Footy Club. And he was our guest on SENSA Breakfast. Good morning.